Hello and welcome back to another episode of Ends with Z. I'm Juan Fernandez with Cecile Munoz. And today we are tackling the power of yes and adaptability as seen through the eyes of an essential worker. That's right, nurses. Mm -hmm. There are three million nurses in the US. Mm -hmm. It is, interestingly enough, a female-dominated profession. Mm -hmm. And it's also the profession, according to the Gallup survey, Mm -hmm. that it is the most ethical and trusted profession, which Mm -hmm. I find adequate after our conversation, uh, which we will be having with Mary Catherine Madden, who is a 34-year veteran of of nursing in mm-hmm. New York, which was arguably the epicenter for many months of this mm-hmm. crisis during the corona crisis. And she brings such tremendous insight that I think will be highly valuable to all our listeners. Well, before we get to Mary Cecile, let's talk about the nursing profession, because it really is an honorable one. I dealt with nurses when my dad was in the hospital and in his uh, last few hours, and they really did provide so much care to to me and my family during that difficult time. And that goes beyond the care they were giving my father uh, when he was um, hooked up to machines, uh, mm-hmm. make sure he was being fed, make sure that, you know, all these little things that we put our trust, our family trust in these women, in these men. That's right. I have unfortunately had my share of time in the hospital as mm-hmm. well, and time in the hospital with people that I care about who... Mm-hmm. Some of them have survived, and unfortunately, some of them haven't. And the the stat that they outnumber doctors three to one, as I think about it now, it makes sense. The people we bonded so much with were the nurses because they were there. They're at your bedside. That's right. Because the doctor comes in, right? They do their rounds. They check vitals. They might give the nurses some orders to follow, but they're the ones that, that provide that first step medical care. About a year ago, a very dear friend of mine, someone Mm -hmm. that I would consider a sister, went back in the hospital to battle cancer. This time it was Mm -hmm. lung cancer. And I've got to tell you, we, the odds were against her surviving. And her doctors were extraordinary because a point of fact, she's still with us, thank God. Mm. But the nurses, I've got to tell you, these nurses, they... I feel like they're friends. I feel like they're right. family. They were so comforting. And, and I read somewhere that the nurses are the ultimate multitaskers mm-hmm. because when they walk in the room, they're gauging your your emotional state. Mm-hmm. They're providing you comfort. You think that they're just touching your hand to make a human connection, but they're actually taking your temperature, checking to see if you're right. dehydrated, feeling mm-hmm. your pulse, all at the same time. They're, they're looking perhaps at monitors, making sure that the millions of things that they think about and do, they're processing that information at the same time they're there emotionally giving you comfort. And and that is actually a key component that nurses provide to patients and their families. That is a a way to provide compassion, emotional support to people Mm -hmm. who, unless you're having a child, I cannot imagine that the probability of you being in the hospital is for a really happy good right, reason. Exactly. And they do a lot of these things, Cecile, as you mentioned, very stealthily. They'll come yes. in, their demeanor is calm, they'll look at whoever's in the room, um, visiting with the patient. And exactly what you said, they're gauging everybody's state of mind. And then at the same time, looking at vitals on monitors and 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 just doing so much. And at the same time, they're handling a caseload of patients, and they have their own lives to worry about. Exactly, especially with the crisis that we're right. in, especially when you're in the middle of a pandemic. And as I read their their code of ethics and their code of conduct, it does say that they have a a 
paramount responsibility Mm -hmm. to the patient, but it also says they have equal responsibility to themselves. So when I read that, I thought, well, how do they how do they balance that? Mm-hmm. How do you balance? Mm-hmm. I have an equal responsibility to myself and therefore my family, but I'm going to choose every day to walk in to a, a building to provide support and care that is running rampant with with the coronavirus. And and the bottom line is nurses never fail their mm-hmm. patients. Nurses mm-hmm. don't fail us. They continue to go into those burning buildings, as I say metaphorically, to provide care and support. And I I find that it's remarkable. The good news is, if there is some good news, uh, the International Council of Nurses that um, mm-hmm. monitors uh, many different things, the, the life of nurses and, and the profession for healthcare workers as well. And luckily, as of June, they reported that of the worldwide cases, COVID cases, um, only 7% of those were nurses. So thank God for that. Mm-hmm. I guess what that shows is is perhaps many things, that wearing masks and following right. the precautions work. But and they're I'm, in the hot zone. That's right, mm-hmm. every day. And um, they they put their lives at risk at great personal sacrifice. Yeah. Uh, they've been deployed, many of them. As you know, many nurses were called to New York as they're now being called to other right. s- states that are having a, a spike. And so they left their homes, they left their families, they were living in, in temporary housing to mm-hmm. provide support. And in many ways, I see them like the military or the National Guard, right. they deploy and they go into these crisis centers because of the higher calling that is their profession. So I am so excited that we'll be talking to Mary um, Catherine Madden, who mm-hmm. is a 34-year veteran nurse, nurse practitioner in New York, which arguably was the epicenter of this crisis uh, for several months. Um, and so I am so excited to hear what she has to share with us. All right, let's go to her now. All right, Mary, first of all, tell us, uh, how are you holding up after now, what, five months uh, going into the pandemic? You know, I'm doing really well. And um, part of the reason why I'm doing really well is that I uh, believe that I dealt with all of the, uh, you know, acknowledged the hardship of what was going on as it was going on. Mm -hmm. And uh, at the hospital that I worked, we had a, a helpers, helping healers program. And uh, I participated in that and I encouraged my colleagues to participate in that. And really on the day-to-day basis, it really helped to decompress the stress of what was going on on a day-to-day basis. Can you tell us what that helpers for healers is all about? That That's right. I think I know what it means, but I, I'd love to hear you tell us specifically. So we have uh, the social work program and the Department of Psychiatry came together and they basically put together a support slash crisis team and they immobilized um, onto the units. You know, these social workers would get dressed, you know, in PPE and go on to the intensive care units and onto the floor where we had COVID patients and, and they would interact with the staff and just rather than waiting for the staff to ask for help, they would just sort of do these mini interventions um, where they would just, uh, you know, just sort of insert themselves gracefully and generously 
by just sort of offering this, uh, you know, therapeutic support mm-hmm. in yeah. this concentrated dose. And uh, it really, I think, was wonderful. It's so difficult because even for us watching from the sidelines, Mary, what you guys are going through in the hospitals and in ERs around the country, it's for many of us, uh, we're watching this unfold for the first time. And, and you guys are on the front lines of it all. Right. And, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, when you're on the front lines Mm -hmm. of something that is um, as monumentous as this was and how and how fast it unfolded, um, you know, most people are not prepared for this. You know, most people are not prepared. And um, and that's kind of one one of the things that I thought would be a great focus of our talk today is adaptability. Mm-hmm. And and that's great, Mary. You've been a nurse for 34 years. You're in New York City. You are uh, arguably in in an, in a area in a in a state and in a city that is not only one of the largest in the country, but the diversity of people and the diversity of cases and situations that you run across must be. Um, just overwhelming on that point, and this is different. This is this is basically the mother of all crises and viruses. Um, so, how did you adapt? And I'm so glad to hear that they were proactive in giving you the emotional support because that's another thing about your role today. And I think it has always been nurses are the frontline workers, but you're also asked to empathetically support, provide the medical care, and in this case here, adapt to things that none of us knew, including being the the, the, the emotional support right. for families mm-hmm. to transition people who are dying who cannot be surrounded by their loved ones. So so how did you adapt? How do you and your colleagues adapt to all of this? Right. So um, I think, you know, one of the things that, um, that I do when something is happening is that I just say yes. You know, mm. somebody comes to me and they say, we're going to need you to do X. And I just say, yes, I'll do that. Mm. And and it doesn't matter whether or not I, I feel comfortable in it because I'm not going to do anything that I can't do. Mm-hmm. But and, but I just identify myself as somebody who is willing to adapt to the changing situation. And then once I say yes, and then the role of what I'm being asked to do becomes more defined, then I can sort of define what I am able to do in that moment. And I think that out of fear, a lot of people were like, oh, I can't do that, or I don't know how to do that, or I don't mm-hmm. want to do that. And you know, and that just adds to the tension that happens. And so throughout my career, because I say yes, I have often found that um, what the, the roles that I end up in and the things that are asked of me are always within what I'm able to do. Mm-hmm. And generally, they're satisfying to me. What's interesting, Mary, to hear you say, you said uh, about adaptability, you mentioned saying yes. I think this is something that uh, Cecile and I have been talking a lot. It's been a common thread in our podcasts, and it really does, even uh, in your role at the hospital, it really does make a difference. You say yes, you're already tackling a subject uh, on a a positive note. You're looking forward. Isn't that right? That's right. That's right. And so um, in the very beginning, you know, they let us know that we were going to be redeployed to other areas. And obviously we were afraid. I was very afraid in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, none of us want to get sick, you know, and, um, but, 
you know, I, I read whatever was available and I went to the emergency room and I volunteered my time and I found a role in the emergency room that could help my colleagues in the, in the emergency room because I'm not an emergency room nurse. What is it so that you I do normally, Mary? I'm sorry. What is it? What is your, I, your, your practice normally? I, I'm a nurse practitioner for mm. a surgical breast service. So I have I a very wow. u- unique role in a very small function, but I haven't been next to a ventilator in wow. 25 years. I haven't been in an intensive care unit in 25 years. So here were these very sick people coming into mm-hmm. the hospital. And I was like, you know, Googling little web uh, programs on uh, how does a ventilator work in 2020. Wow. You know, it was a long time since I had been next to one. And so these were all the things that I did. And ultimately, I didn't end up doing that kind of work. I was not doing intensive care work. I was really supporting the staff that were working. Like I went to the emergency room and the director was like, here's Mary Madden. She's from the breast clinic. What can she do to help? And I looked Mm. around and I saw complete chaos. And I said, I can clean. And he was like, you can clean? And I said, yeah, I can clean. And the nurses all went, oh my gosh, that would be terrific. Because they were so overwhelmed with what they were doing that it was just like as if medical supply bomb had blown wow. up. You know, just everybody was just using supplies and moving through their day. And and so here I went in and I just tidied up behind them, anticipated their needs. And, um, and by the time I left, I had decompressed the stress that was in this environment by just tidying up. Wow. You know, I spent six hours tight. I spent six hours tidying up, but just constantly tidying up. I brought down this stress that was in this area. Mary, I have so many thoughts and comments based on what you said. And, and the first is that I think for the rest of us who have been uh, observers of the pandemic and, of course, being part of, of what's going on in the country, when we look at nurses, we see first and foremost that you are being asked to be first responders and, and mm-hmm. care for the sick and uh, put your life in, in harm mm-hmm. by by being uh, around those infected with something that can kill us. And then we think about the fact that you don't have enough PPE and we worry about that. But very few of us, I think, have had the, the insight to say, well, are they even prepared to do this? Are they okay doing right. this? Because mm-hmm. most of us assume that a nurse is a nurse is a nurse, and that's not the case. Mm-hmm. So what you shared with us is something that, as Juan said, we do talk a lot about because that is a core message, and we feel that it matters tremendously yep. to, to us to to be happy, healthy, uh, adjusted human beings, and that is adapt. And, and so my question, Mary, is have you always been this way or did you become more adaptable right. as you grew in your 34-year career? And where do you think that comes from? Um, I'm, I am definitely somebody who um, can be, I may be inclined to be adaptable, but um, I'm also can be controlling you know, I, I don't want to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to be in a situation that I'm not comfortable in. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so sometimes that might restrict me from making a decision because I'm afraid of looking bad, making a mistake, being uncomfortable. And, and what I learned is that by saying yes, 
I can control all those other things as whatever the situation is on evolves because whoever I'm with is not going to want me to look bad or make a mistake or, you know, and so where I don't want to overpromise who I am, I realize that I bring an enormous amount of things to the table and that I can, I can always make a situation better. And with whatever the unique thing is that I'm bringing to the table. And so when I, you know, develop this thing with inside myself where I just say yes, Mm -hmm. it's because Mm -hmm. I say yes, knowing that I'm going to bring something good to the table. It may not be what that person thinks I'm going to bring to the table. It may not be um, what they ask for. You know, sometimes people ask for something, but they don't Mm -hmm. really know what they need. You know, so when somebody comes, you know, and, and I have this with patients all the time, you know, patients think they want something, but then I give them what they need. But I always say yes. It's incredible what the power of yes can do, right? Not only are you a nurse, but you're also a mental health expert. You're you're helping people basically um, make decisions for themselves because they're not in a good place. I mean, these are skills that go beyond uh, medical school or nursing school. That's right, because these are human skills. And and one of the things that I find so remarkable about what you're saying, again, we don't, I will take ownership. I don't think about it when I think about nurses, Um, especially a nurse in a hospital pretty much is walking into a mini crisis every day where a person is probably very scared and afraid of dying or afraid of what they're going through or in pain. And people that are in pain are usually not the most patient, um, uh, supportive individuals. Mm -hmm. We're in pain and we're in a crisis. Mm -hmm. So what you're talking about, Mary, is this power of yes of uh, first comes, I would imagine, in belief in yourself that you can do it, even if you're not 100% sure, but you believe that you can find the support or the resources and the access to, to get there. And I think that you showed that by coming in your first day as you shared and realizing, okay, I from a technical perspective, you did your research, whatever you could do, but you saw something immediately that provided tremendous comfort. And as well as, of course, cleaning, which is what we are told is one of the three or four or five things that we must do to to protect ourselves from this virus. And this seemingly simple advice, I think, is so powerful Mm -hmm. as we live through constant change, constant uncertainty, constant fear in our life, almost on a 360 basis. So what else, Mary, can you share with us just as a fellow member of our society, as you know, people to people, person to person? What else can you you perhaps give us your nuggets of wisdom that will well, help one us? The, Go ahead, yeah. Mary. So, so one of one of the things that you know I see a lot of is you know there's a lot of very strong opinions about um, how other people should behave, mm-hmm. and um, I think you know by July August of 2020, everybody. Um, who is conscious uh, knows what advice has been. They may have come up with their own opinions about what they want to adapt for themselves, but everybody knows what the science is showing. Correct. So whether people are accepting that information or whether they're rejecting that information, um, you know, I think that we should be concerned about ourselves and our family. And I would discourage people from 
confronting somebody in the social in the supermarket. I would discourage somebody from confronting somebody in the gas station or confronting somebody in the park because everybody knows. So the person that you are looking at that you're not comfortable with because of whatever activity they may be doing and you may have a, a different opinion than what theirs is, mm -hmm. then you just need to adjust your behavior to make yourself more comfortable. And and the other thing is to just be pleasant because for the person who may be regrettably rejecting the science, some of these people are looking for conflict. You know, That's they want right. you to come they want you to come up to them and 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 have some kind of confrontation. And so instead, you know, just smile behind your mask, keep your social distance and do whatever it is that you have to do to be comfortable. And don't get into conflicts because I don't really see any upside. Mary, it's so humbling what you're saying yeah. to me because I, uh, for so many reasons. First of all, I the fact that you stated, look, we know the science and the science mm -hmm. is the science. Facts right. are facts. They're, they're immobile aspects. And you're right. Opinion has nothing to do with fact. Mm -hmm. In fact, has nothing to do with opinion in terms of scientific facts. And so people, it's no longer a question of maybe they don't have all the information. You're right. It's a question of they have chosen to believe X or Y. And this piece about just focusing on you and your own safety and, and letting other people go to live their life and not confronting them, I think is, is so important because mm -hmm. much of what we see in society now, and it's certainly augmented by social media and the cancel culture, is feeling big by standing on top of others to feel big and powerful. And that does not get us anywhere closer to, to being more supportive and collaborative and unified compassionate. and mm -hmm. compassionate. And I just find it just, very humbling that this is coming from someone who has spent five months walking into a burning building uh, every day, a, a metaphorical burning building. So. And, that, and that's what, what it is, you know, to, to care for people Right. We have to care for everyone. We even have to care for the people that are being misled or misguided or uninformed. They still deserve our care. And so the way I feel to care for them is to keep myself safe and to keep them safe, you know, to, and I'm keeping them safe by keeping myself my distance from them, by being pleasant and, and by being supportive of them, because when I when I diffuse that situation of that person who is waiting to be confronted, then they're they're sort of, you know, you're they're disarmed a little bit, mm -hmm. you know, like, that's oh, right. Um, that part, you know, I, I had several roles in the hospital and uh, one of the roles that I ended up with was I was on the PPE team. And what my job was, was to uh, make sure that each unit, um, that people who were entering and exiting the units were wearing what they needed to wear. And I also would do walking rounds of the unit where I made visual eye contact with every employee to make sure that they had a mask on, that the mask was properly fitting. You know, you have to realize that mm -hmm. people were working very hard. Um, it's very sweaty, it's very hot. and there are lots of different kinds of masks. 
And so depending on the size of your nose, the size of your mouth, the structure of your cheekbones, you know, where that mask sat on your face, you know, like if I walked through a unit and saw somebody futzing with their note, with their mask a lot, uh -huh. lifting their mask, you know, I'd go up to them and I'd say, which, what model are you wearing? Have you tried another model? You know, can I order something for you? And, and then, you know, they would either say, whatever, I tried this or, and, and just me coming on there and giving a, an intervention with them mm -hmm. and then going ahead and obtaining something that was a better fit for them, uh, really gave them confidence in the hospital that we were looking out for them. Like we were really looking out for this frontline worker. Mm -hmm. um, and what I learned through um, all these months where I have tested negative for antibodies three times wow. and I've had, wow. a, and I've had a lot of exposure is that it is all about the mask, you know, like mm -hmm. it is about the mask and about the viral load. And so I'm very fortunate that I have not been exposed enough to develop antibodies. So I mean, I am grateful for that. You know, mm -hmm. people say, what's my goal? My goal is to stay healthy till they come out with the with the proper vaccine. <laughs> now, Mary, so. where do you see yourself when this is all over? When when COVID is in our rearview mirror and um, your career continues moving forward? Um, you know, I my own regular work has um, started up again. You know, mm -hmm. we started seeing patients in the clinic, uh, you know, towards the end of June and uh, towards the end of July, we were back operating again. So um, my my regular work is now um, up and running. And, you know, while we are uh, monitoring COVID, as far as like, you know, when we're preparing people for surgery and stuff like that, you know, I, I have really gone back to my regular work. And COVID is just something that we're incorporating into our day, mm -hmm. like wearing a mask and you know, the, you know, just certain things that we do on the daily visits. Um, like for instance, you know, we have patients really coming in by themselves, but if they're a new cancer diagnosis, they're obviously allowed to have a family member come with them. Mm -hmm. Well, that's good. You know? That's good from a, from a comfort perspective, having right. gone through an episode of that myself, I can tell you, um, your world becomes very small and yeah. very big from a frightening perspective at the same time, which I can imagine is something that obviously you're very, very accustomed to to dealing with and, and giving compassionate, supportive care to people who, who you know, go through I, those crises. Right. I mean, I would say, you know, um, you know, earlier we were talking about adaptability and, um, you know, part of when I started working on the uh, PPE team, you know, there was three types of individuals that I would encounter. There was the type in the middle, which was that person viewed me as somebody who had knowledge, who wanted to tell them the truth, who was explaining to them that, yes, our information is changing, but this is what I know now that, my, and these are my recommendations for you now based mm -hmm. on the CDC and the current guidelines. And that group in the middle would believe me, you know, they would accept the information, they would follow whatever we were saying. And then there would be a group that would say, I believe you, but I don't think you know everything. And I think I need to be extra protective of myself. I want extra PPE. I want extra, mm -hmm. you know, double mask, triple mask, triple gloves, you know, mm -hmm. whatever, whatever extra they could put on. And then there was the other people 
who um, were just uh, overconfident in their physical uh, metal. Mm-hmm. And they would be like, oh, I work out, I juice, <laughs> I go to the gym, <laughs> I get, I take vitamin D, oh, I'm doing zinc drops, you wow. know, yeah, 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 I'm going to be fine. I, I'm not so, I don't need the mask so much. Save that for somebody else that really needs it. <laughs> the, the ones that think that science doesn't apply to them, the, mm-hmm. the, I think that that's, uh, that's the kind you're describing there. Yeah, but but also, you know, they were also not a malignant person. You know, these mm-hmm. were just people that, you know, had had always invested in themselves. It was it was always the gym. A lot of times it was the, you know, the gym buff, you know, the, mm-hmm. the person that, you know, that they're so invested in their own personal health that they believe that it that that gives them some kind of extra armor for a virus that mm-hmm. you know, the regular person doesn't have. That doesn't. So, so I and I had to protect that person too, you know, mm-hmm. so I, ha- I have to protect that person too. And, um, and so when I was protecting that person, right, because that person's very vulnerable, right? The mm-hmm. overconfident, the overconfident person is very vulnerable. And so I had to do a lot of coercing and teaching and educating and cajoling uh, in order to get them on my team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but, but what I learned is that there are so many different people and everybody comes to the table with a different mm-hmm. sensibility of why they're making that decision for themselves. And at the end of the day, they are making that decision for themselves. I hope it works out for them if, if they're not making the decision that we think the science is suggesting, but at the, but they don't need our, uh, they, they need, they still need our care. Well, Mary, and let me, so, let me tell you, I, I, I would imagine you're in high demand. If I was a hospital administrator, Absolutely. I'd want you on my team because you go beyond um, just nursing duties. You do so much more. You're an invaluable resource. I, yeah, I would agree. And, and Mary, um, as this is the profession that, that I work in with my team day in, day out, is understanding what makes exceptional leaders. And what makes exceptional leaders is quite simply exceptional human beings, someone that brings their whole person to the job every day. And it cannot just be intellect. It also has to be a high level of emotional intelligence. And what I find so interesting about what you shared with us, and thank you so much for, first of all, for your time during uh, your holiday, which, dear God, is is much needed and well-deserved and well-earned, but also sharing insight that I honestly, Mary, didn't know this is what you would share, but it's so valuable, and that is that you do your job. You are able to walk into that burning building, making no judgment of people, uh, not allowing yourself to go to a place where most of us go is, is anger and, and rage, um, people that are not following the science, mm-hmm. because you continue to bring your emotional intelligence, your great empathy, and say, but they're doing this not out of malice, perhaps, but because they're looking at it through the prism of their own life and their own values. And you break it down to these small little bite sizes of how you can make a change, mm-hmm. how you can make an impact, how you can do your work as a whole human being, not just a, as a professional nurse. And Mary, we thank you for the work that you do. We thank you for the time that you shared with us. And we thank you for sharing your perspective mm-hmm. because it matters so much for those of us who do not have to put our life at risk every day to see how you do it with grace and with dignity and with a whole hell of heart, a lot of heart, Mary. Thank you so much. Well, Cecile, I learned a lot from Mary and you know, you don't have to be a nurse to take Mary's example and make it yours. So much to learn from her, right? I know. And I've got to tell you one, 
I didn't expect her to say the things that she Me said. Either. I didn't mm-hmm. expect when she said, "I just say yes." I thought, "Wait a minute, you uh, isn't there a whole other, maybe more complex?" I thought it was going to be something much more. Um, I guess the word is dramatic, but maybe that's not the right word. But it was mm-hmm. something just so simple that allowed her to do so many difficult and challenging and complex things. And I think that that's what was so amazing of what yeah. she shared with us is the the things that seem really simple to do that allow you to do the far more difficult things. And she was still, she said, I was so scared. Mm-hmm. But she just trusted that she would do the right thing and she would figure it out. And she never said, Cecile, I'll say yes if these factors are so or she didn't ask 10 questions before she said yes she said okay yes let me know what i can do and then she'd educate herself and then she'd guide her way through the talk about adaptability right there correct and i think it started with her attitude Mm -hmm. her first point was i'm going to come in and help i'm going to trust that i'm going to be able to figure this out and i'm going to First and foremost, set my mind to, I am going to help. I am here to do what I love to do, what is her purpose. Mm -hmm. Um, I know clearly she loves her work. And the other thing that really struck me was, Juan, how calm she was throughout all of this. Mm -hmm. I I think it's definitely a lesson that we can all learn, especially as we're really getting um, patient fatigue through mm-hmm. through this crisis things don't work that like they should or we're not living the life that we want summer is almost gone and for most of us we didn't take a vacation or if we did take a vacation it wasn't what we normally mm-hmm. used to so we're carrying a lot of this tension a lot of this stress with us and she just was resilient mm-hmm. through her discussion and how she's processed these weeks and months of of stress and and trauma. You can tell she's very grounded, Cecile. When you listen to her talk, she knows where she is, she knows where she's going, and she knows where she's been. It's, again, so much to learn from her. I do know a nurse who was getting close to Mm -hmm. retirement, and as soon as COVID hit, he said, forget it, I'm out, I'm done. Um, He had just seen his mother pass away Mm -hmm. not too long before that, and he stepped away from it. And here we have nurses like Mary, who, like you said, are running into that burning building, running into a dark room, into an abyss. They don't know what they're gonna see every single day, and they meet that challenge head on. And they do it all the while focusing on the patient Mm -hmm. and focusing on each other. She Mm -hmm. was focusing on her colleagues, making their life easier, bringing down, as she said, her first focus was, I brought down the stress. I brought down everybody's stress. And so she's doing her work, her very difficult, challenging work. If you look at the statistics in terms of their infection rate worldwide and the work that they do, Mm -hmm. it places nursing right now with this crisis Mm -hmm. as one of the most dangerous jobs to do in the world. Absolutely. And they're doing it with compassion for people. They have become these emotional conduits for people Mm -hmm. who are dying alone people who are fighting for their life and they never seem to to run out of compassion and compassion for each other as well yes we we heard mary say that she would go around a floor and check to make sure that her co-workers had the right fitting Mm -hmm. mask to their Mm -hmm. face and if they didn't she'd go find it these were these were obviously things um and and activities that her bosses didn't tell her hey you need to go do this and this and this she saw a need and she filled it but first she made sure that she connected to them with them eye to eye right making that human connection Mm -hmm. and the other thing juan that i've got to tell you when she said it i kind of sat back and i thought 
how can she be saying that? And that was when we asked her what advice would she give us. Mm -hmm. First of all, she said, hey, listen, the data's out there of, of what the mm -hmm. science is out there, the data's out there, you, you can choose to do or not, but it's not for lack of information, it's a choice. Mm -hmm. But when she said to, to basically be kind and respectful and give mm -hmm. those people the space who may not want to do what is recommended right. to be done, and basically treat people with kindness and, and just focus on you and take care of you and, and, and allow them to be them, that type of mm -hmm. um, empathy for, for people who are living their life through their set of belief systems, right. when we are all so primed to mm -hmm. be aggressive and to not be aggressive is, again, is just, I think that comes from compassion and love because she did say to care for one person, mm -hmm. you have to care for all. So mm -hmm. this completely, uh, what I would call indiscriminate or, or unconditional care and compassion and love that she gives to all the patients and everyone that crosses her path as a nurse. Mm -hmm. I guess I don't think about that when I think about nursing, but I absolutely will think about it now, and I absolutely will take away in my own personal life how I can mm -hmm. be more like a nurse. Mm -hmm. And what we've seen recently too, Cecile, we can see that nurses really do take a personal interest in their patients and in their coworkers when when people are being discharged from the hospital yes. after going through um, being put on a ventilator mm -hmm. and dealing with COVID. They're there clapping, they're, yes. they're so happy. And if there's a setback and if there's some sadness and sorrow, they're just as sad as well. So their compassion is, is, is endless, it seems like. And you know, multiply Mary by thousands and thousands of nurses out there. And I think we're in pretty good shape. Absolutely, we are, as a nation, much better for it. Mm -hmm. We have survived in large part because of them although it will never be optimal, but many families, 174,000 plus losses mm -hmm. of life in the U.S. So far, yeah. Many of them, the only connection they had to, to their families was because nurses and healthcare staff held up many times their own personal phone mm -hmm. to provide that last goodbye to families. We are all the better for it. We will have come out of this, irrespective of anything else, with health with love and compassion because the nurses, those three million plus nurses were there to carry us through this crisis and through this virus. So we thank the nurses. Mm -hmm. We hope that we have all learned more of what it takes to walk in their shoes for a minute, even though I, I can tell you, Juan, I would not have the capacity, although I think I'm capable of overcoming anything. I don't know that I would have the capacity to do the work that Mary does. And I, I greatly respect her, respect her for it. And I thank her for the work. And I hope that all of us and all of our listeners walk mm -hmm. away learning more, not just about what it takes to be a nurse, but what it takes to be a whole compassionate human being every day. And that'll bring us to the end of yet another podcast. Thanks so much for listening to Ends With Z. We'll be back next week with another episode. In the meantime, make sure to subscribe at www.endswithz.com to get the latest updates from us. Email us with questions or show suggestions. We'll be happy to hear from you. Also, follow us on Instagram for tips and insight as well. Until next week, for Cecile Munoz and executive producer Sean Moe, I'm Juan Fernandez. Have a great day because above all else, you matter.